This recording is intended to be used as an educational resource for healthcare providers. It is in no way a substitute for the independent decision making and judgment of a qualified healthcare professional. It should not be used to make a diagnosis or to overrule the advice of a qualified healthcare provider, nor should it be used to provide advice for emergency medical treatment. Hello and welcome to Nursing World Share Practice Forums. My name is Michelle DeGrazia. I'm the Director of Nursing Research in the Neonatal Intensive Care Unit at Boston Children's Hospital. We are very pleased to welcome Dr. Marsha Campbell-Yo. Dr. Campbell-Yo is a certified neonatal nurse practitioner and associate professor at the School of Nursing, Dalhousie University. She is a clinician scientist at the IWK Health Center and she has a cross appointment in the Department of Pediatrics and Psychology and Neuroscience. She is funded by the Canadian Institute of Health Research as a new investigator. Her research lab, primarily funded by the CIHR and Canadian Foundation of Innovation, aptly named Mechanisms, Outcomes, and Mobilization of Maternally-Led Interventions for Newborn Care, or MOMLINK. Her research examines the effectiveness of maternal-led interventions to improve outcomes of at-risk infants related to stress, pain, and neurodevelopment. She is especially interested in improving uptake of pain-relieving interventions by both parents and healthcare providers through innovative strategies and e-health technology. Marsha, welcome. Well, thank you, Michelle, very much for inviting me. It's certainly my pleasure to be here with you today, and I always welcome any opportunity to help raise awareness and uh, help others, both health providers and parents, to learn more about reducing pain in newborns. So let's begin by having you explain what motivates you to study pain in infants and older children. Well, Michelle, I think that that really uh, is embedded in my long-standing experience as a neonatal nurse practitioner, uh, really caring for babies and families for over 25 years. And while we've seen um, through the use of high technology, really improvements in how these babies survive, you know, we've really not done a, a great job in their long-term outcomes. And so what was really obvious to me is that along with this technology, this really means these babies are exposed to multiple procedures. We know that uh, in the history of medicine, it's really not been that long ago that People didn't believe that babies felt or even remembered pain. In fact, uh, people actually did surgery on these little babies without anything more than paralytics. Hard for us to believe now, but 30 years ago, that was accepted practice. We've done a lot of good work with respect to post-operative pain and palliative pain, but procedural pain still continues to be a problem. Can you tell us really how big of a problem pain is in this patient population? Uh, we know that through epidemiological studies that have been recently conducted in North America, Canada, United States, as well as Europe, that on average these babies uh, have about uh, 12 exposures a day. 
of painful procedures. And when I say um, commonly performed painful procedures, I mean things like uh, heel lance for blood collection, venipuncture, uh, intramuscular injections, uh, IV insertion, suctioning, things that sort of happen every day routinely to these babies. And certainly the youngest and sickest babies have actually been documented to have as many as up to a thousand procedures during their neonatal stay. The cumulative effect of these of these exposure really leads to the long-term consequences that have been reported recently in the literature, uh, and they encompass things around the periphery sense, um, sensation about how babies later react and respond to pain. They also uh, talk about uh, and have been demonstrated that motor difficulties, but what has been emerged in the last three to five years is really that we now know that even taking into account how sick the babies were, their severity of illness, mm -hmm. how early and premature they were born, whether they've required uh, surgeries or multiple medications, that even taking those things into account, the exposure to untreated pain has actually been shown to have effect on the brain microstructure. We see that there's been reports and alteration in gray and white matter, uh, maturation, and that these changes in the brain have actually been the likely cause of difficulties we see in school age of ex-preterm infants with respect to cognition, memory, attention, and uh, internalizing behaviors. I think that it's very clear that this is not just an immediate problem that uh, we need to worry about in the neonatal intensive care, that all the actions that are happening by healthcare providers every day uh, when they care for babies uh, certainly is contributing to what uh, these uh, long-term trajectories are of these children. You're saying that a large number of babies aren't getting adequate treatment. Why do you think that is? Well, I, I think, Michelle, is that it's certainly a change in the way that we've previously provided care. Mm -hmm. So, as I mentioned, it's not been that long ago that we didn't think the babies could actually feel or remember pain. Um, so it's certainly a shift in what healthcare providers are doing in their practice. And more importantly, I think that the solutions aren't as easy as we think. Mm -hmm in that some of the drugs that we would commonly use in adults or even older children mm -hmm. aren't always effective in babies. So let me give you an example. Yes. So we would say that if a child was coming in to get an IV inserted, say for an outpatient procedure, we would give them a topical anesthetic mm -hmm. as one of the treatments to reduce pain. Um, but in babies, uh, as I mentioned earlier, uh, one of the most commonly performed procedures would be a heel lance for blood collection. Mm -hmm. And sadly, topical anesthetics don't effectively reduce this pain. And so this and even similar medications like even a systemic medication like morphine, which was works great with respect to uh, reducing post-operative pain or ongoing pain, it also has not been shown to be effective for reducing common procedural pain-related stress, such as associated with heel lance. Mm -hmm. And so it's not as easy for us just to extrapolate what we've done in adults and older children, and we have to find other ways. Mm 
And in addition to that, I think if we come back to how often the exposure is, so if we're saying that a baby can have 12 to 20 procedures a day, we also want to be cautious about how much medication we give. Um, and that's because these immature um, babies have uh, livers that have difficulty clearing these medications. A lot of the medications aren't uh, researched in this young population. So cumulatively, when we think of these challenges, um, that's what's really led researchers like myself and others to look at alternative ways, um, non-pharmacologic ways or other types of strategies to actually provide pain relief during commonly performed procedures. So Masha, that leads me into the next question. What are some methods that are used, um, non-pharmaceutical methods, to address pain in the NICU? We know that people have studied uh, some strategies such as uh, non-nutritive sucking or giving a baby a pacifier, uh, things like swaddling and containment to help the baby regulate as well as reduce pain. Uh, and that these methods have been shown to have some effect to reduce pain. We also know that one of the most commonly studied drugs in neonatology is actually sucrose or sweet tasting solutions. And that the recent Cochrane review uh, that's been reported in, uh, in 2016 by Dr. Bonnie Stevens actually has over 7,000 babies that are in uh, this, these studies now know that uh, sweet tasting solutions can effectively reduce pain that's uh, associated with needle-related procedures in both prematurely born as well as full-term infants. And so this is a very effective and, and strategy and actually would be considered um, across most settings as our standard of care. Mm -hmm. You had talked about maternal lead. The area that I'm most interested in is to look beyond what I call healthcare provider driven mm -hmm. interventions and to kind of go back to the innate idea that mothers should be able to comfort their babies. And outside of the NICU, uh, people who aren't familiar with that uh, environment would say, why do you need to study that a mother can comfort their baby? That's we know point. that. <laughs> However, for us in the neonatal intensive care unit with our high technology and our use of so many other strategies, we've really lost that balance of having parents. And so we've conducted numerous randomized control trials to actually measure whether or not the simple holding of a baby who's dressed only in a diaper to allow full ventral contact on his or her uh, mom's bare chest uh, called skin-to-skin -skin contact or some people call kangaroo care um, could effectively reduce pain in newborns. And we've found some pretty impressive uh, findings. In fact, we now know that this simple technique can reduce pain response by about 30% in uh, babies as young as 28 weeks uh, in the neonatal intensive care unit undergoing painful procedures. So can this only be done by mothers? We've actually studied that because we wanted to ask the question, do, does it have to be a mother? And so uh, in collaboration with a colleague, Dr. Celeste Johnson, we ran a series of studies in which we tried to address whether fathers or unrelated women mm -hmm. uh, might provide a similar effect. And what we found was that mothers appear to be uniquely better 
uh, than dads or on related women. But still, when you compare doing nothing for these babies or only offering them sort of maybe just a pacifier, that certainly anyone holding the baby in that upright skin-to-skin -skin position can dramatically reduce the pain that they're uh, associated with needle-related procedures. I'd like to turn to the audience now and ask for your input. In your response, could you first please state your city and country location and then reflect on your own unit? We'd like to hear how you manage procedural pain in your patients. We return to our conversation with Masha. I know that in the NICUs, we like to encourage family-centered care. Um, so that is one way that we can incorporate the families into the care of their babies. Well, I think what uh, is also really uh, exciting about the use of parents to reduce pain and suffering in newborns is that there's more than one person that benefits. So we know that it's clear that these babies, when we measure their pain, mm -hmm. that they have and show us a reduced pain response. But we also, when we ask families how they feel, mm -hmm. they actually demonstrate and tell us they have considerably less stress when they can become more actively involved in reducing pain. Mm -hmm. In fact, a recent study by colleagues in Europe reported that in units, neonatal intensive care units that actually have structured policies in place to have proper pain management both by healthcare providers as well as involving parents, that these parents report the lowest stress. And so it's something that we really need to look at, not just for babies, but also for our parents who are highly stressed during this um, time in the NICU. So this is really wonderful information. Um, I guess I wonder then, if you tell me that pain is such a problem and that we really need to address it, why is it then that we're having difficulty doing that? And, and especially in light of such a, it sounds like such a simple procedure by having the parent hold the baby on their chest. It is simple. It's uh, going back to a very uh, um, natural intervention. But again, this has not been the common philosophy in many of our neonatal intensive care units. Again, it's not been that long ago that parents weren't even really invited to be in the unit. We've seen a huge paradigm shift in family-centered care in which parents are now trying to be invited into the NICU to be part of the care. We've even seen the transition from our traditional open bay units in which babies are so close together there's very little room for parents to moving to single room care to try to increase how much time that parents are at the bedside. But until that happens, people have to work really hard to try to raise awareness, not only amongst ourselves as healthcare providers, but also around increasing advocacy and awareness for families so they know how important that their integration and participation in pain care can be. In the NICU, we have a wide range of patients in terms of their complexity and the different treatments they need. Is this something that you see as an option for all babies in the NICU? 
Well, I think that, Michelle, that this question is what so many nurses ask us, uh, not just us, but when we talk about changing practice, mm -hmm. uh, not only for the introduction of skin-to-skin -skin contact, but for many new ideas in the NICU. And so I would say that while there are some patients at the extremes, maybe those who are um, immediately post-operative with multiple uh, in-situ, say, chest tubes or um, receiving nitric oxide are very critically ill, um, that bringing those babies out at that moment may be difficult. But when we think about all the benefits of skin-to-skin -skin contact, even in a non-pain context, mm -hmm. in which we see that babies who are held in skin-to-skin -skin contact have more stable respiratory patterns, uh, they are uh, temperatures better regulated, uh, they are more likely to be calm and asleep. So even for those babies that we might consider complex but stable, so even if they're uh, requiring mechanical ventilation, maybe they have a central line in situ, those babies using uh, careful techniques to bring them out, they actually should come out with their parents. And in fact, they should spend as much time as possible with their mums, even in a non-pain contact. So we then know that if those babies are out where they should be, with their mom, then they could have their painful procedures done while they were there in their mother's arms and they certainly don't need to be put back in to the incubator. So let's say there are situations that come up in the NICU where perhaps a child is not eligible for kangaroo care on any given day because of something maybe going on in their clinical situation. Are there things that parents can do under those circumstances that they can help their baby? One uh, strategy that parents can help with is called facilitated tucking. And so it's interesting because a lot of people, when they hear the word tucking, assume that it's got something to do with a blanket. Right. <laughs> and we do know, uh, as I mentioned earlier, some of these adjunct therapies that can potentially be additive and so like swaddling in a blanket or containing them with boundaries. But facilitated tucking is actually done by either a care provider or a parent's hands. Oh. And so the concept is that you help the baby regulate. So you provide for them a boundary. Mm -hmm. And so if a baby doesn't have a lot of wires and various things, you could put them more in a fetal position, sort of curl them up with your hands, mm -hmm. and uh, it, it calms them. And so not only does it calm them in a non-pain context, but it can be additive when it's used in addition to, say, for example, sweet taste. Uh, we also know that not only can care providers do that, but parents can do that. Mm -hmm. And there's been some lovely work done by a colleague of ours in Finland, Dr. Uh, Anna Axelin, who actually examined parents doing this strategy during endotracheal tube suctioning. Uh -huh. because the nurse would suction the baby, but the baby would come quite distressed. Yes. Whereas a parent could come, say, for example, on the other side of the incubator and provide containment mm -hmm. to their baby, and it was shown to reduce stress at that point associated with that procedure. And interestingly, although we want to do as much containment as possible mm -hmm. with our hands, even if you have a baby who is very, very sick, and maybe you can't even get your hands 
to move their body mm -hmm. or their limbs. You can actually just even provide some comfort. A parent can put their hand at the top of their head mm -hmm. and at their feet and just still sort of provide just a little bit of containment in those situations. And I'm sure that's very reassuring to parents to know that just something so simple as that can really um, help benefit their baby. Yes, and I think it's important for us to recognize that it's helpful for uh, makes a parents feel mm -hmm. a, a less stressed to be involved, helpful to the baby, but we need to remember that this would be considered additional in addition to some other mm -hmm. effective strategy, such as sweet tasting solution. So it wouldn't be that by itself? It's not by itself. We'd like to stop now and ask our colleagues around the world a question. In your answer, could you please state your city and country location? The question is this, do you involve parents in pain management for their infants in your unit? And if so, how often? And now back to our discussion with Masha. So we know nurses want to do what's right for their patients. So what can we do to help nurses incorporate these methods um, into the daily care of the patients they're caring for? Well, when we've, at, we've actually asked nurses that. We've said to them, um, you know, what are your concerns about doing this new practice? Uh, similarly, when we ask nurses to do other things, uh, we get feedback. Mm -hmm. And generally, as in this case, uh, the questions they have uh, fall around the idea of how can they best do it? both from a safety uh, to the baby, but also themselves. So ergonomics, it's a little bit different to do it if a mom is sitting in a chair and you're gonna take blood from the baby uh, versus say in an incubator. And also around unit uh, routines. So what we were able to do is take these concerns and measure some of the uh, ergonomic concerns and we were able to find uh, wonderful little stools that were able to be elevated up or down, have a back on them so the nurses would have not issues with their back, and create uh, videos that actually showed exactly how they could do it, not only safely for their baby, but uh, that they were performing the procedure on, but also for themselves. So that was one way. The other thing is to address their concerns around uh, workload and uh, even unit routine. So in many of our units, we want to do our bloods at 6.30 in the morning. A parent may not be there. Even if they're in a parent room or close to their baby, do we really need to wake them up at 6.30 in the morning? So it's more of our convenience. It's instead more of, of our convenience. <laughs> uh, and so I think it's really giving it back to nurses and physicians and care teams to say, uh, is this because it's easier for us or is it the best for the babies and families? And we really found that the majority of blood work that we do in the neonatal intensive care unit, even in our tertiary level NICU, um, can be done uh, around the convenience of the family coming in a little bit later in the day. Are there other things that we should consider for somebody that wants to make this type of change? Yeah, so it was interesting. So when we asked nurses and uh, mums about uh, the use of kangaroo care or skin-to-skin -skin contact, to reduce pain in newborns in the intensive care unit. Um, it was really interesting because about 30% of the nurses told us that the reason that they didn't want to uh, incorporate it in their practice was they thought it was too stressful for the moms to see their baby undergoing a painful procedure and that they should protect them. As we often do, we're a bit mm -hmm. paternalistic in our care and we thought that it would be 
less stressful if they did these procedures when the mom and dad maybe weren't there. So get it over with in the morning. But in fact, when we asked moms, they unanimously told us that in fact they wanted to be part of helping to release, reduce pain in their babies. In fact, they told us that they were significantly less stressed when they were able to help provide relief to their babies and so much so that they wanted to continue to be asked. And uh, interestingly, we also asked them would they recommend it if other moms should do it. And they almost unanimously said that yes, all moms in the NICU should be offered the opportunity to be able to provide care to their baby. Well, that's excellent. I'm sure these moms were thrilled at given this opportunity. Um, you've talked a lot about what we do to educate healthcare providers. Um, with respect to teaching them about the benefits of kangaroo care, is are there things that you're doing to encourage parent involvement? Because I will know, I, I know that from my experience in the NICU, that it's sometimes hard to um, impress upon parents the importance of their role. So, Michelle, I think that you you've just hit on such an important factor. I really don't believe that parents have any idea of just how important of a role that they can play as part of uh, our team to improve outcomes for their baby. And especially when it, re when it uh, is related around reducing pain. Mm -hmm. And so we, it's really uh, one of our biggest mandates is to try to figure out how we can reach families with this information. And so what we did was uh, we actually, one of the hardest things I've ever done as a scientist, um, to actually try to take all the information that we and others have uh, uh, done on this area and to create a two minute, just over a two minute, parent friendly YouTube video that uh, really showed uh, what we know about, why it's important, and also how parents can play an important role to reduce their baby's pain. And this video actually moved even beyond the neonatal intensive care environment. Certainly that was our emphasis, but we also wanted to spread the word to parents that even babies who are uh, immediately after delivery, those who are healthy term mm -hmm. babies, um, certainly could benefit as well from these procedures and that other things other than just skin to skin contact such as breastfeeding can be equally effective in those healthier populations. Uh, and certainly and, easier to and implement, easier, right? That's right. And so we wanted to do that. And what was really exciting is that uh, we produced this uh, video uh, called The Power of Parents Touch. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was launched in December 2014. Currently, it's been viewed almost 165,000 times oh in over 150 countries. And uh, we've actually uh, received additional funding and it's been translated now into seven languages. And so they're subtitled and so we're really excited uh, about this uh, video. Marsha, let's stop here for a minute and we're gonna show the video to the viewers. Great. Welcoming a newborn baby into the world is a life-changing moment. There are a lot of things for parents and babies to get used to. Many parents don't realize that this includes pain. 
Almost every baby in the world undergoes painful medical procedures in the first few hours and days after birth, including medicines that are injected with a needle and routinely get blood tests as part of regular care. Sick or preterm babies often require up to nine to 10 painful procedures every day for weeks. And regardless of how many they have, the experience can negatively affect how a child develops. This early exposure to pain can impact how they feel and react to pain later in life, their attention and learning, and even how their brains grow. But clinicians and researchers are working towards solutions. They found some already. Holding a baby clothed only in a diaper and facing you against your bare chest is known as skin-to-skin -skin contact, or kangaroo care. Ideally, it started 15 minutes before a painful procedure, but even as little as two minutes can be beneficial. A blanket or shirt can be worn over top for privacy and comfort. And, if they choose, another loved one can do it too. He seems so much more relaxed and happy. I don't think that any parent should have to sit by and watch their baby without being able to hold them and be there for them. There are so many benefits of practicing skin-to-skin -skin care. It lowers how much your baby feels in response to pain. It stabilizes their heart rates and oxygen levels and helps them recover faster. It, it just instantly brings you closer and it just, you know, is very soothing for the baby and, and even for myself, you just connect more. For babies that are older and healthy, complementing skin-to-skin -skin care with breastfeeding five minutes before a procedure can also enhance the pain-reducing effect. We've learned that skin-to-skin -skin care is safe, free, and natural, and that anyone can do it, anywhere, throughout a child's first year. We've learned that babies experience less pain and that it's good for parents too. Parents have less stress and feel more in control and confident. And while we continue to learn more, there is one thing we know for sure. Parents can make a difference. Talk with your doctor and nurse about using skin-to-skin -skin contact or breastfeeding as a way to relieve baby's pain. Marsha, that is a fantastic, innovative way of reaching out to parents to discuss pain and how they can help manage their baby's pain. Are you looking at other forums or do you think that this is that an effective mode to, to reach parents? Well, we certainly know from the video that it's a great way to reach parents mm -hmm. because, as I said, we've had over 165,000 people view the video and we've also measured our analytics in that um, how long they watched it for. So you people might start but they don't watch the whole thing if they're not interested. Mm -hmm. And so we know that uh, the video is just over two minutes and our average length of time that families watch is uh, one minute and 56 seconds. Mm -hmm. So they're really not only watching it but they're engaged. Mm -hmm. Now what that doesn't tell us though is whether or not that information can actually change their practice about whether they ask or advocate for their child. Mm -hmm. We assume that education helps that but there's other factors as well. And so one of the things that we've been uh, interested in doing is to try to find other ways to get feedback from families around children's pain. I have been very fortunate to be involved in an initiative called It Doesn't Have to Hurt uh, that's uh, been sort of spearheaded through our Center for Pediatric Pain at the IDBK Health Center, uh, led by a colleague of mine, Dr. Christine Chambers. And we've actually uh, partnered 
with the Yummy Mummy Club, which oh is a, a, I love a, that so, name. Yeah, it's a social media uh, group in which over Twitter they actually have all uh, they reach almost a million followers uh, a month, and so and their followers are generally mums mm -hmm. and uh, dads, uh, mo mostly mums. Of course, the Yummy Mummy Club, mm -hmm. and so we're actually through that forum. We've actually been able to do online surveys and get some feedback whether or not uh, like a better way to measure impact. We're still working on that and uh, this recent study has uh, really trying to understand can scientists uh, work together with business like this to try to reach families. And I think what's really important for us to know is in a recent study uh, that we've just published last week by uh, one of my students uh, is that when we ask parents in the neonatal intensive care unit where do they get their information? We thought that they would say in the books and brochures and all the things that we give them when they come to the neonatal intensive care unit. And yet, although they use those a little bit, uh, almost 100% of the uh, participants told us that they actually got their information on the internet. So I think it really is important for us as healthcare providers to try to make sure that uh, of the places they go on the internet, that there's actually evidence-based and reliable information for them to access. I'd like to turn to the audience now and ask for your input. In your response, could you first please state your city and country location? The question is this. Does your institution utilize any creative or innovative methods for integrating parents in pain management for infants? We return now to our conversation with Masha. Masha, it's evident you've done a lot of work in regards to pain control around procedures with babies. Are you able to share with us where we are in terms of the state of the evidence in a more global way um, and, and what would be a good resource for providers? With respect to skin-to-skin -skin contact for procedural pain in newborns, of course, which I'm most interested, uh, myself and colleagues have uh, actually um, compiled the information to date in a Cochrane systematic review. The first Cochrane re was released in January of 2014, mm -hmm. and we've subsequently just released an updated Cochrane that it consists of 24 studies and almost 2,000 babies who've been uh, included to examine the efficacy of skin-to-skin -skin contact. And in including the results of the Cochrane, uh, as well as a, a grade analysis, which actually tells uh, healthcare providers sort of currently based on the state of evidence that we know right now, should we be doing this? Um, we feel pretty confident that skin-to-skin -skin contact should be considered standard of care uh, in all neonatal units and actually in all areas that are caring for babies uh, with respect to the reduction of needle-related pain. Uh, and so that's an excellent resource for healthcare providers to be able to easily access what's currently um, been studied in this area. And uh, when we talked about originally back to other states of evidence mm -hmm. with respect to sweet tasting solutions, again, the Cochrane Library is a wonderful resource for this with uh, updated studies, uh, I think I mentioned earlier by Dr. Bonnie Stevens with respect to sweet tasting solutions. Also by Shaw, who talks about breastfeeding. Mm -hmm. There's a Cochrane related to that. All of showing that there is benefit. 
Uh, and in addition, there's one other uh, cochrane that could be quite useful, uh, done by Rebecca Plyridell, another colleague of ours in uh, Queen's University in, in um, Canada. And she actually looked at all those what we call adjunct treatments that uh, on their own may not be most effective mm -hmm. but in in addition to those key uh, either sweet tasting solutions skin-to-skin yeah. -skin contact or breastfeeding could be additive mm -hmm. um, things like non-nutritive sucking uh, containment swaddling yes. and so that's also an excellent uh, uh, resource so that's somewhere that we can rely upon as a good source of information absolutely and and, and, and additionally um, I would say that uh, our Center for Pediatric uh, Pain Care mm -hmm. um, all has multiple resources that have been um, primarily made and targeting families. And so what it's done is taken a lot of that empirical evidence mm -hmm. and actually created sort of a more parent-friendly lay information that uh, is applicable not just to newborns, but also to children uh, at multiple ages. So our WWW uh, Center for Pediatric Pain, uh, which we can share for you, uh, can is also an excellent resource. So this is our next culture shift, right? It is our next <laughs> culture shift, is trying to keep up with tech technology. And certainly uh, what's also very obvious is that parents really and healthcare providers, but parents for sure, want to know how to reduce pain, and not only in their babies, but in their children. And so, uh, again, raising awareness of what uh, the power and contribution that they as parents can do is uh, really paramount. Well, thank you so much for sharing all this important information about pain management um, that doesn't have to do with using medications to help care for our patients in the NICU. Well, thank you, Michelle, and I think for all of us, uh, sometimes uh, it doesn't have to be the most complex thing. Sometimes the simplest things can be the most effective, and certainly in the case of skin-to-skin -skin contact uh, between a mom and a baby or a dad and a baby is an excellent example that sometimes the simplest things can be the most beneficial and uh, can help not only babies but their families, and ultimately, uh, it's, it's not a cost prohibitive intervention. It can be done anywhere in hospital, but also when babies are brought to their doctor's offices for mm -hmm. immunizations, um, for their needles, and uh, people really across not only intensive care units, but primary care providers, anyone caring for uh, newborns and infants really should be advocating for this to occur. Thank you. This recording is a production of Open Pediatrics, a free and open access resource for pediatric clinicians worldwide. For more pediatric care materials or to join our global community, please visit our website at openpediatrics.org.